Hello, welcome back to a new episode of For the Love of Weather podcast, where we discuss all things weather and how they can impact our daily lives. We hope, like always, that you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. My name is Gemma. Hello, and my name is Ashley, and today we are with Sarah Roberts. She's an author, animal behaviorist, and eco-journalist. She's a lot of very cool things all balled into one. Sarah splits her time working in conservation, visiting conservation organizations, projects to create media for them and also finding creative ways to connect with children adults and brands to environmental issues i think connecting with children is probably one of the coolest things i think you can do because they are our future aren't they and they're gonna hopefully live a very different life to the ones that we have but in 2014 sarah created her first children's book somebody swallowed stanley it's used in schools and in the, across the world to teach about plastic pollution. It was also lovely, 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 so lovely, so lovely read by Tom Hardy on CBB's Bedtime Stories. It's actually one of my favorite little programs. And then in 2022, this year, Sarah released her second book, Somebody Crunched Colin, also about plastic pollution. Sarah, you're also the founder of This Is Creature, which is an outreach brand dedicated to raising awareness on conservation and environmental topics around the world. So basically, you are just all things environment, communicating it and finding lovely little ways to actually talk about it. So Sarah, tell us, where did your first little hunch of, you know, if you become an eco-journalist, you're obviously a writer, something creative there already, but where did that first kind of, you know, where did the eco part come from? When, when did that part like just spark in you, first of all, where you thought, actually, I really, I really care about the environment. Um, yeah, well, that's, I guess it's one of the same things. If you, if you like animals and you, um, you know, like playing out like I did as a kid, you have to care about the environment because it's all wrapped into one, whether you realise it at the time or like me, maybe realise it a bit later. Um, but yeah, I, I guess my first kind of like oh, jaunt down this road would have been at nine years old. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I went to a, a local primary school in a little village, which happened to be an eco school and they actually were so good at pushing you into whatever they thought that you were good at and for me that was mostly storytelling and wildlife so we set up a wildlife club at the age of nine and at the age of nine I also wrote with a friend myself and her like mini journalists for the local newspaper and things like oh we got two hedgehog boxes delivered recently and we visited Kirkham prison to see all of the inmates that made them <laughs> that was that was my first jaunt into it and I I sort of didn't really um connect that as a as a like my actual career path probably until so what happens is and and it's something I kind of try and tell kids now is I think when you're young you really know what you're good at and you really know authentically what you enjoy and somewhere in that middle there when you become a teenager and just go into adulthood you learn what society tells you you're supposed to enjoy or how you're supposed to work and um, yeah I ended up very much down the science route at that point and, and sort of going down the role of field research. And it was a little while before I properly found my feet and realised that, that science background was a great backing, shall we say, um, for what I do. But um, it, it set the foundations. But what I really enjoy is still storytelling. Um, so that's when I guess the two worlds collided back in 2014, which also came on the back of a shark bite. <laughs> 
Which you said was the bite was less painful than cleaning, cleaning it. it. Cleaning oh, yeah. Of- that, true story. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I set up that outreach. Um, it, it, in the very first place, Creature was called The Bite Project, which was conservation kids can get their teeth into. And it was myself and a friend, CJ Crooks, who's now a jeweller, um, who both he and I shared bite mark scars on our arms. Um, he was an underwater videographer and our yeah our original going into schools used to stem from sharks and sort of uh, went into how to connect kids with environmental issues because you, know, you can hook them with a shark. Great mm. pun, not intended. Um, <laughs> but of course, like if you really want to protect sharks or any other ecosystem, then, you know, you have to care about the bigger picture and and that was when um, we used Stanley to start connecting kids with plastic pollution. So that's, you know, Stanley is a is quite a big concept, you know, like from an adult's point of view and somebody who's interested in environment, it is, it's, I've seen a lot of books and little storytelling and in some cases, some terrible scaring of young children about yeah. the environment. But Stanley, you've kind of personified the plastic and I've never seen that before. So where did where did that idea come from? I guess I, I, I also have seen a lot of the, the scary side of it. And I guess to some extent, I feel like I have to tell kids the scary side of it when I was going into schools. When I was at uni and I was doing my animal behaviour um, degree, I also worked at a zoo in the education department. And I was sort of trained to deliver all sorts of workshops. But for the Littleys, we found that interactive story time was the best way to teach them because you could get subliminal messages in there and make it fun. And I guess I carried that through with this book. I wanted to take a topic that is otherwise at that time of course plastic was not the sexy topic that it is now it was very much glazed upon in schools as reduce reuse recycle and that's the end of that um so I wanted to find a way because I already knew about microplastics and I already saw the absolute Pandora's box of panic (laughs) that I'd Mm. fallen into and that wasn't being talked about in schools or just really wasn't being talked about in the public at all um, and I was trying to find a way of making that less daunting. Everything with creatures has always been about taking something that otherwise might be quite daunting and scary and, and packaging that up into something that actually it's more of a little penny drop moment. And, oh, it's, it's actually not that bad. It's quite simple. We just need to change our behaviour or we have a little bit of control in this. So, yeah, so Stanley, for me, I'd seen so many people tackle it as the idea of plastic is bad and plastic is awful, but it kind of just removed um, responsibility, I would say. And and we we also like to point at the plastic manufacturers and we point at the brands, but there is a responsibility on us individually when we use a product um, and what we do with it afterwards. And, And I just wanted to find a fun way of putting it back on ourselves I guess so yeah we did it from Stanley's perspective. So you mentioned though that you obviously see young people as a segue to something what is that what's your intuition telling you about that younger younger generation what's it what's 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 going on in your head with that? Do you know I actually although I my books are for children and and they're written at that language. I never write for kids. I write for adults. 
in my head in a really sarcastic voice. Uh, so, so like the start of, of, of somebody swallowed Stanley is Stanley was no ordinary jellyfish. And it's, it's almost a really sarcastic advert in my head. That's what my picture books always come to me as. And so going into schools, especially in the early days, I was really targeting the teachers and inadvertently the parents. Like, I don't think it's quite fair that that children get so much responsibility and pressure forced on their shoulders to fix problems that adults are causing for the most part um so yeah there is an element of like come on kids pick up your rubbish let's not forget this but I think kids are very um susceptible to that message anyway it it was really for the parents that were listening and the, and the teachers to have that penny drop moment of being like, oh gosh, yeah, because balloon releases are even still a really big thing in 2013 when I was going mm-hmm. into schools. Yeah, it was it was just to make it a, an open conversation instead of a check in the box, I guess. Yeah, no, I like the idea because it's that the you know that's that's a book I would read to my boys. So I am reading it and taking it in and they're listening to it and just kind of absorbing it in a really lovely way about you know Colin Colin who who they think is a jellyfish you know it's really lovely it's really engaging yeah and and I guess we've sort of done the same with the whole series there is a a third one actually that's coming out this summer which is an even bigger concept I know I kind of showed you a little bit didn't I Gemma but I, I mean, I can mention a little bit about that too, but it's always, it's, it takes a little while because I have to get the adults on board first um, with the sales team and with everyone else. And, you know, once you get it through that hurdle, we can get to the illustration stage. And, and yeah, so hopefully this summer you should see in stores uh, Somebody Woke Wilson, which is not plastic related at all. Um, and that's, that's, kind of taking um, the big daunting issue of climate change and looking at a way of repackaging that in an understandable format and fun format for kids. So yeah, probably actually the more controversial and the more daunting, the more I'm attracted to it. It's like big predators, isn't it really? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're definitely the opposite on that one. I'd be like, how did you even get close enough to a shark to get a bite? There's no way. yeah curiosity kills the cat hey (laughs) cats have nine lives so it's all good it's all good (laughs) was there a moment when you were sort of doing your field work when you had that moment when you saw what was going on with the world and you thought actually I've got to do something now was there that moment that you had yeah when I got bitten (laughs) I think (laughs) genuinely yeah so while you're out on these wild adventures doing field research and and um, working all hours because at, at Shark Lab when I was out there you would work until there was a bad weather day and then you would get a day off so that could be anything from like three days 10 days 14 days 20 days you don't know until you get your day off right um, and and you would work long 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 hours so you didn't although you were aware of, of different environmental issues going on quite often you don't have the time to like sit and retrospectively think about it or your responsibility within it you're kind of chasing the thrills at the same time um and 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 that that's me that's me generally a a lot of people maybe are quite a lot better at prioritizing that um but I was I was just having a great old time until I did 
literally get bitten and then I couldn't go in the water for the obvious risk of gangrene um, <laughs> because there was no doctor on the little island then and and it was in that time where I sort of had to rediscover a purpose and really question right well where is this going I had that stop and pause moment that year was a very big year for me I'd I'd just actually flown back out after my dad dying so I'd I'd had quite a, a huge year actually and it was just a real pause moment of of okay what is my purpose how can I be useful in all of this and really sort of sit in and having time to read and think about things and that's that's I guess when I got into the presenting and the writing and the storytelling and the going into schools it, it was all triggered by that one moment of stopping and pausing and taking a breath I suppose mm. that's good I'm so sorry your dad passed away as well that's life to happens to everyone <laughs> it comes it's coming to us all yeah <laughs> so you your next book is going to be about climate change so as you were just saying there that is actually quite a big leap why why now like what has what's brought that motive where did that motivation come from to actually think okay hang on now we need to go from the micro to the macro so this is the funny thing um I I guess about uh writing and publishing and and tv and everything that you see is usually the concept's been thought up quite a while before so the original manuscript for Wilson I think by the time the book comes out, it's about four or five years in the making. So I started writing Wilson around the time of, of um, you know, our climate crisis. Um, marches had just started or just before they started. A Stanley, Stanley for me was always just one check in the box um, in terms of I know there's so many environmental issues and so many moving parts. parts. Um, plastic pollution was the most visible and the most obvious start but yeah yeah there's there's so many there's soil erosion there's acid rain you've got you know climate change you've got overpopulation you've got how do we feed ourselves um it, it, the list goes on and on and on so um i've i've kind of got a backlog of of stories that um are gradually going to hopefully filter out into the into the market um but it's it's a sort of slow and quite expensive process i guess for a publisher um to decide as and when the right time is for that so you get a say up to a point but not so much not when you're working with the top publishers around the world they've got a big list of clients and mm. and also a lot more know-how than I have I, I have pure frustration of a scientist and an environmental um a journalist that sees all of these firsthand and go we need it now we need it now panic 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 but what they have is an ability to read the market and know how to publicize and get that message out far and wide and that's something they've done very well in the past with Stanley and Colin as well now so I have to learn patience at the same time <laughs> they're, they're all massive topics that you want to cover there there's just and they're so complicated as well to be able to then break those down and make them accessible to kids in an engaging but also not scary way yeah that's a big task Uh, yeah I just don't I'm a massive overthinker and for some reason when it comes to stories I am absolutely not 
if that makes sense. Like I, I, I don't try and think of the gravitas of, of, I think we can all be guilty, especially as scientists and experts and meteorologists like yourselves of knowing things in so much depth that we struggle then to communicate it. And, mm. and for me, I think I, I left the science world per se just at the right time I think I gathered enough background knowledge to be able to read science papers and get them and also to get that scientific brain of understanding how things work but I didn't get too fixated on any one topic and that's really helped me to be able to transition between lots of different things and I guess that and constantly constantly having a, a live child audience for the last 10 years I, I, I've sort of had the 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 honor I guess of trying out ideas as and when they pop into my head to see to see and test whether whether that would work or not so that's always been a massive benefit for me too yeah it is it's you know what it's really interesting actually I was just um chatting to my sister the other day she's just come back from international travel and obviously the world has opened up and she was sort of saying god you know we couldn't travel they were relieved and then everybody wanted to travel and then travel again but and so she's um still in science and it's just constantly in academia and stuff mm. and I think the best thing that ever happened to me was not getting a phd yeah <laughs> to god not becoming too fixated on one topic and picking up enough language but not too much language exactly what I just relate so much to what you're saying it's like you you want to know that you're not missing anything so you know how to read for that but at the same time you don't want to get lost and get stuck into six and seven month papers and authors and reviews and rewrites and graphs and you know yeah for for sure I think there's there's an absolute place for everybody within uh, you know within that industry like without those people that will fixate and do those PhDs, we wouldn't have anything to communicate anyway. Um, but uh, for me, I guess I, I realized that my passion was more in science communication than in mm. actual science mm. itself, as much as I absolutely love field work um, and the adventures of it. I think my my drive and my fulfill, fulfillment came um, with trying to communicate that. And I think that that's a huge, huge need as well um, within the science community because I think when you sit on that precipice of being able to understand the science world but can still relate to everyday you know modern life and everyone that's going about their day-to-day you see that there's just such a huge gap between the knowledge that is published in the science world and when that makes it into everyday knowledge (laughs) um so so for me like that that was like right that's where I can help that's where I know Mm. I could be useful it must be really nice as well with kids books because they give you their reaction their honest reaction straight away yeah yeah, good and bad yeah no no it is it is it's it's um an incredibly incredibly useful resource for me but also something that I'm very privileged to be able to to do and to have that um over the years especially it's the same in terms of content creation as well because I use a lot of my videos um from from out in the field in in schools too and quite often I find that if I can communicate something 
to a child I can sort of communicate it to an adult too if that makes sense like almost actually um somebody wrote Wilson came off the back of Iceland's green machine and uh me trying to find a way to get people interested in, and and positive thinking about um carbon storage technology I think in the sort of run-up to that because that was about a year or so in the making it was when I I myself had the penny drop moment with oh right it's kind of just a balancing act of carbon if we can just store the carbon then oh, maybe we'll be okay and yeah yeah so yeah I think it's the penny drop moment for me and then I'm able to communicate it a bit better yeah definitely one question that I do have for you is about this is creature because I think the concept I mean we've spoken about this I think the concept is awesome but I'd love to know a little bit more about your climate actions for schools events sort of what the aim is behind them um what you hope to achieve as well yeah absolutely well I mean it's kind of as we were saying they've been driven by a rise in eco-anxiety in schools and it's something that I feel partially responsible for because my last 10 years has been going into schools and teaching children about environmental issues and uh, about these big daunting um, situations and I have seen probably more than ever before with um, a lot of the school strikes um, and that situation and then COVID on top of it, um, a huge rise in the amount of not just consciousness in children on these topics, but anxiety, real anxiety, real stress. And, And I can relate to it because I also, the more I knew, I found that like, I mean, I haven't got, I'm 30 nearly 33 I haven't got kids yet and I still don't really know if I want kids yet and there's all that kind of side to it so I think it's it's been a joint quest to connect children and myself subliminally um, with with people that are working at the forefront of climate change really so all different industries um, I, I I've kind of created a network that includes journalists, includes broadcasters, scientists, technology people, all sorts of experts. And and what we do is as a group, we we take multiple speakers into the classroom, either virtually or in person, and give children access to ask these people questions directly, but also to create hope for them because quite often the media all it shows is the negatives and the scary things especially around cop time and what we want to do is show them that well actually you may not have heard of it but there's this really cool thing going on around here that's that's really hopeful or have you heard of of blue carbon have you heard of you know how kelp forests are going to be really good for the environment so we showcase lots of different things and it's not just from the conservation world um we also work with react which are this really really cool humanitarian organization of ex-military and ex-blue lighters who are the first people that get sent out to the front lines after a hurricane after extreme weather or also in war and famine which all of which is a product of climate change and a a growing issue so they can talk about it from that perspective but we also work with like adventurers explorers all sorts of people so we're trying to connect children I guess and teachers directly to the front lines of climate change and conservation um I do have um a question for you a little bit more about eco-anxiety in Mm -hmm. kids so I (laughs) I've actually had arguments over this which is so ridiculous that I would argue with my friends over this but 
you know where there's um there's there did understandably when a topic is initially a little bit further away from you you say things like why don't the government do something about that um why uh why don't the council do something about that you know and there's this kind of like further feeling away and I kind of get into semi-arguments with people over this where I'm like well you can do something too as well you know we all have to do something and that could be like voting or changing your bank or you know just not picking up the bananas in the plastic bag that that is actually you know it, it is doing something so what do you say to little people what do you say to them yeah okay so it kind of depends on on the age of the child too a little bit but um with regards to climate anxiety there are studies that show some of the best things for anxiety is action um so being able to take little actions will reduce that climate anxiety and will help children to feel a little bit better about the situation so that's why somebody crunched colin um this this fella we partnered specifically with um, eco schools and Keep Britain Tidy because of their great big school clean. So the message behind that book is is to get kids to recycle. It's very simple. We keep we keep the messaging quite simple. But these are they're not meant to be the entire topic in a nutshell. They're meant to be a topic opener that the schools and the teachers can then build upon. So, yeah, in regards to somebody swallowed Stanley, it's don't drop litter. And at the end of it, the plastic bag is made into a kite. Hindsight, I'm not sure I would have picked a kite. <laughs> There's the end object. Uh, but that's why we then have Colin where uh, plastic um, is then recycled properly and turned into a watering can. So so it's letting the kids understand that they can have um, a, a part to play in this. And the same is true with the third book with Wilson at the end of it, the children spoiler alert um but there there's a bit of tree planting involved at the end of that too um so small tangible actions i i like to um with climate action because we take that on a level we start at nursery but we also run that right the way through to uni age group we can go into so much more detail and offer so many different actions and we can be really specific depending on what the talks are um some schools are keen to fundraise and do things like that um, which can get the kids involved some kids are at the age where they're starting to think about future careers and maybe didn't even know career paths were open to them so the inspiration can go that far and and then sometimes it, it is a case of like just changing your mindset like do you actually need to do the thing you're going to do do you really need to buy the thing you're going to buy um and it, it can be that simple for for me I think but the the biggest thing with with Colin and Stanley was connecting it back to, to animals because it's just a really good way of of sort of filling that filling that blank. Well, why can't I drop litter on the ground? Why can't I do this? And um, yeah, I mean, on Wednesday, so in a couple of days, I'll be heading out to the RSPCA um, in Norfolk to shoot another video which supports Colin. Um, and that will be at their animal rehab centre looking at the impacts of plastic pollution and litter on seals and other animals like that um so so the take-home message for for plastics fairly a simple one really but i kind of drill it home using the animals and the videos as well have you made many changes like in your own life over the years about how you live you know 
Has your life changed much or have you always been (laughs) eco-conscious? Like, yes and no. Um, So to an extent of, I will logically think, do I need this? Do I not need this? Can this be recycled? Can this not be recycled? I am not against plastic. Um, I'm not one of those that be like, no, 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 because unfortunately I have been far, far, far too involved in in that um, research side of it. I've conducted sort of research for BBC and other things and uh, gone down into the black hole of comparing it against all of the materials. So that's why I like to go and find the experts um, in these industries and to really learn. Unfortunately, pretty much no environmental conservation issue is black and white if it comes across black and white it's probably because you're not fully understanding it or you've not read up enough on it um so for me like going out and finding the experts is my own soul searching of finding hope and finding the answers for the future uh, when you say has your life changed well my entire life pretty much revolves around communicating these and finding ways to communicate it so yeah in that in that respect that is what I wake up and do until I go to bed and sleep um and that's sort of why creature evolved and yeah why it's books and why it's eco-journalism so I'm always stuck in the middle of of these big gray problems but yeah in terms of like do I never get on a plane no absolutely not of course I get on a plane of course I go to these places to try and find these stories of course I sometimes buy things that I think oh but my neck I, I could have got a, a better version of this but that was the option at the time but when that happens I I know I'm human I know to like let it go a little bit um but also like uh, I'll just try and make do with what I can at the time um but you know there's definitely a sort of manageable middle ground that we can all do which will reduce impact but yeah I think realistically things like carbon um carbon storage and and being able to offset carbons like a really big thing now for for us and for creature and the way this is going um because there's just certain things that you need to do like I sometimes have to go to the schools in person I do a lot pretty much all my foreign ones virtually but it's not quite the same as being there Mm. and being able to to show things face on so it's a compromise isn't it but I also fully believe that the science and technology and the amazing people out there that are doing things are probably going to prevail at the end of all of this and I think you know we'll do as much as we can for our part now but I do fully believe um, that there's going to be massive changes within our lifetime um, that we'll see yeah yeah yeah, I do too. And, and within our climate as well, but also within how we're living and, and basically mm. us figuring out carbon and energy storage. Yeah, hopefully yeah. not before we make too many more huge mistakes first. <laughs> I know. We have our own anxiety, my own anxiety yeah. over it. <laughs> yeah, knowledge is power, but it's also a huge burden. Yeah, for sure. When you were saying about giving young people sort of the actions that they can take today I was on a walk um and there was a mum and her daughter and they had a litter picker and they were collecting litter along the way and their bag was full I was I'm not gonna say I was shocked with how much litter they had because there's litter everywhere Mm. but it did bring a smile to my face because I could see that they were passionate about it and they were taking action that's the thing they were taking action and they were doing it together they were both walking along and picking up the litter and as 
as, as, as you were talking about reactions that the kids can take, I was thinking there's actions that they can then take with their parents as well and they can share that together. Absolutely. I mean, this is... Uh this is one of the like most exciting things I guess about doing the kids books and going into schools is is you kind of sometimes see little penny drop moments on the kids face and I get teachers that like write afterwards and say oh so and so just spent the entire afternoon or the weekend and here's a photo of them now with all these bags of litter and here's something that or we now have an eco club in our and and this is why I'm also really excited to partner with eco schools as well um because obviously I was a product of an eco school without even realizing that that's what was happening at the time um so I'll be doing more work with them to 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 try and I guess influence even more people but not just influence it's also giving them the framework so if they want to implement more things in school if they want to change things and go for the green flag they can and it's simple steps and it's it's absolutely attainable I'm in I'm in powered myself right now I do, <laughs> I do talks in schools too and I'm like I really need to think about this differently my brain well well it's a tough balance for me because obviously like there's weather which is just you know in theory the day-to-day stuff but really what you want to go into schools and and talk about is climate isn't it you know that's what you you want to you know seize seize that but also I'm so conscious of having seen the impact of lockdown on myself at the time my boys were only 18 months and that I had two premature children Gosh. um you know so I was really afraid for them so it kind and so you know because COVID was a lung disease and they were premature mm. and we always had these mm-hmm. lung problems and like yeah we spent our first year running to the hospital with them you know so I I, I guess I've I've seen what COVID did to me in a sense and when I listen and and I never really thankfully never really understood that level of anxiety Mm. there was something whatever about going through something with your child but then when you're seeing everybody go through it you know I never I never really experienced that depth and fear of anxiety and it's only as time has gone on and you know we're now coming out of your you know past year two of COVID you can reflect a little bit yeah so much anxiety everywhere let alone with the climate but like just the smallest things like can we have this play date or uh, can the grandparents come to visit or you know I hadn't seen my sister for three years there was an anxiety over will Mm. I get will I get to see her like there was an anxiety and if I do well you know like this anxiety is everywhere so it's it's really important to well it's important but it's scary isn't it because the last thing you want is to add to that burden and and that's that's something that I guess um, I'm also conscious of too. But inevitably, we are in a situation of massive change, and nobody likes change anyway. <laughs> that's always a scary situation. But we have so much at our fingertips in terms of knowledge, and um, I want to say uh, power. But actually, the problem that we have is so much is shared on social media so much is shared by our news media um, and it's often the negative things that are at the forefront and 
children are being exposed to these whether we like it or not they're being exposed teachers are being exposed parents are being exposed and because it's scary and because adults also have a tendency of being like right I've read that that's enough that's all I want to read for now and that will do unfortunately that's often the only parts that get communicated um nobody digs quite as far as maybe we all ought to to find the real truth of the matter um Mm. And, and it sits somewhere between usually very, very scary and absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Depending on the, the level of anxiety. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, uh, and I think that that's the kind of, that's the responsibility for, for, for me and for other people that are, mm. that are communicators, that are science communicators and that have some knowledge, but it's not, it's a shared responsibility. That's why I do it as a, 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 an event with multiple experts. I, I am not an expert in, in every single area. I know my own bit back to front and I know how to communicate that. Um, but, you know, when it, when it comes to industry professionals, like we, we have James Selick, for example, as, as one of our creature speakers who comes in and James was the creator of uh, there's a rangtang in my bedroom which was that huge uh, advert for Iceland and Greenpeace a, a few years back um, but he works for Mother. Mother is a massive advertising agency that works with huge 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 corporate bodies and brands and he pretty much manages um, Greenpeace and the One World account he, he spends a lot of time working with great big brands and and dealing in large scale campaigns and that is a world I have no idea about you know that's yeah. well over my head but he's an expert in that and he can go in and talk to our kids not just about his own books and do the readings but with the older kids he can talk about creating change on a very large scale then we have Jack Randall Jack Randall's um a Nat Geo presenter who's um, also a zoologist and runs these crazy field research trips for for students out in the African bush and in Australia and all around the world and he comes in with his snakes and his spiders and tarantulas and he he can talk about how firsthand he's seen the effects of climate change in these different ecosystems and how each of these creatures um, is affected and and actually having that authenticity and that knowledge within your own space in your own area you don't have to go outside of that you just talk about your bit but then we switch out somebody else who can cover their bit like react for example and, and it's it's a sharing of, of of the burden i guess in that way but also um it makes us so much better and stronger to to be able to collaborate like that um, the messaging that we can get out there, the access that kids have to such a bigger database of knowledge, but also we learn a lot from each other in the process. So it, you're kind of like making the kids feel better, but also making yourselves all feel a bit better and stronger about the situation too. Yeah, that's really, really, this is quite powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I love learning. I mean, I, I'm just, if I can listen to someone and they can tell me stuff I'll just like just tell me everything I just want to keep just I just want to absorb as much as I can so, you know, um, and kids they're... are the same they just want to absorb loads they're just so keen to learn they're a- absolute sponges absolute sponges and in that respect they're the best because 
you have such a ability for especially primary school age to really really influence the person they're going to become and and make certain aspects like for me like yeah this isn't really rocket science is it pick up the crisp packet or an animal might get poorly or might die um but but those kind of things those subliminal messages from a young age just become second nature as an adult mm. um so the the more that we can learn to communicate the better yeah it really does it's, and it's it's not you know it's a it's a, a message that's applied to everything your actions have a consequence mm, and absolutely th- whether you yeah have dropped a crisp packet or you pick it up and put it in the bin they're you know they're all you know are we have to mind our own behaviors to know that you know they're they're going to impact other people I'm totally going to get some niche picking equipment Gemma by the way you should do it you yeah do it. I've got, I know I've inspired I'm inspired again I'm, I'm just like I've so much I need to do and I, I really I, want to do a beach clean so let's just organize a, a massive beach clean we as well. should do yeah. we should do one and ask everyone who's come on the podcast to come and join us we'll all just get together and do a massive <laughs> big network we'll all the litter everywhere yeah. honestly I was felt so inspired and so empowered when I saw that mum and that mum yeah, and daughter no, today. Like, it was such a lovely moment to see them doing that together and, and when I yeah when I was growing up I think maybe like god I love my mom it's not I would never say this like I'm not saying this out of badness or anything um but I think my mom might have said to me oh don't touch that it's dirty mm-hmm. you know and yeah. and she was right it probably was but um or said oh you shouldn't throw litter but never picked it up so I think I think, make, I I think make that change well I think as uh, as much as we normalize not to throw litter we not need to normalize picking it back up again if you see it but it's giving kids the tools and knowledge on how to do that safely Hmm. um because as you say some things are dirty you don't want anyone fashioning around any broken glass or anything potentially dangerous so yeah Hmm. teaching them that knowledge and that thought pattern from a very early age but Mm. knowing that it's still very reasonable to go and pick something up and and it's not strange or weird to do that I think that's important but I also think a lot of this uh going back to to the start when we talk about our anxieties and um small actions and how you get into it I think actually the biggest driving force behind everything is I am super selfish I am so selfish it seems to everyone else I'm mega mega selfless but actually in hindsight every single thing is driven by the fact that I want to protect the places that I love and I want to be able to keep playing out as an adult and I want to do that without the guilt of seeing all of the things that I love and the animals uh, that I want to work with all dying off beforehand so so I I can feel better about my own future I'm doing this to inspire other people so although it seems really selfless it's actually totally selfish I, I don't think it's selfish <laughs> at all I think I, no. I don't think it is at all you'd be surprised <laughs> so we're now going to move on to our get to know me round it's just a couple of really random quick fire questions so our first one that we always like to start with is your favorite season summer easy <laughs> I'm oh, such really? a warm, oh gosh yeah I'm such a warm 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 weather baby yeah absolutely oh you must be like just sort of waking up today where you yeah just like, oh this weekend what? I feel like yeah cat with catnip I've suddenly yeah. come back to life like oh yeah. I can surf without my hood up yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are still very brave to be doing that in March <laughs> tea or coffee 
tea. I um I don't know if you can tell, but I'm quite a hyper person anyway. So caffeine <laughs> is the exact. It affects me worse than rum. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. I've made some interesting decisions while drinking caffeinated drinks. <laughs> yeah. That's the first. <laughs> your favorite form of social media i hate it all but i also equally need it and appreciate the value of it probably instagram is my go-to i would say i'm too i i haven't yet ventured into the world of tiktok i am told i have to i haven't yet but yeah instagram I'm safe with I've just I'm I'm slightly technophobe which is crazy compared to the world I live in and what I do um but yeah yeah probably Instagram I think a lot of us are technophobes like I know how to do the stuff I know how to do but I you know and I consume the information the way I want to consume it but I don't really want to know anymore I, I think too many things for me to know in life without you know yeah I, I think I just resent being a slave to it yeah. that's, yes. that's the yeah. thing I just resent having to post x amount of times for an algorithm in mm. order to get my stuff out there and then equally I know too much you know one of those other burdens of knowing too much I, I am just I do think sometimes about these huge backup systems and all of the carbon that that's and everyone that's like shares absolutely everything uh tiktok and the rest of it um yeah it's it's a battle that i can't uh morally win i don't think at the end of it yeah it's a tough one but i do think so i've started doing a little bit more tiktok stuff Mm. and i do think that the sort of stuff that you do would do very well on TikTok. I've been told a, a lot and I yeah it's a, just a full-time job as well isn't it I think it's tough it's, it's something that I am maybe going to dabble in soon maybe a little bit we'll see we'll see how we get on I'm a big fan of Instagram stories if you follow me on Instagram you might see the posts are very irregular but the stories if I'm doing something I absolutely love it because you know I don't have to edit it's just straight on and up um so you'll get lots and lots of behind the scenes content from me (laughs) that one's a given (laughs) jammy dodgers or jaffa cakes jammy dodgers all the way especially in the middle bit interesting (laughs) how do you eat your jammy dodger bite all around the edge and then Ah. you see the jammy bit (laughs) me too (laughs) that's the only way to eat it really well sometimes you can pull them apart a bit like an oreo but it gets a bit messy in my experience i wouldn't i'd be afraid i would compromise the integrity (laughs) in in absolute honesty though i am a i I am a bog standard bourbon biscuit stroke Mm. custard cream girl bourbons are my favorite they are the best biscuit ever i'd argue all the way with that bourbons are the best i i can definitely attest to that as many a night shift i sat beside Gemma with her bourbons on the desk that you know you, you can't you can't go wrong no <laughs> well, Actually, I, I do night shifts i finished I, night shifts this morning i've had bourbons biscuits on both night shifts <laughs> delicious yeah yeah cup of yeah. tea oh just get you through yeah <laughs> dangerously moorish I was just going to say, I wouldn't trust myself with a packet of biscuits on a night shift anymore. I would literally just, I just don't know. I have no stop button. 
I'm, no not, I'm an all or nothing person anyway but like <laughs> I so. put a couple I'm not going to tell you how many because I don't want people to judge me about how many biscuits I had but I put a number on a plate put the packet away and then took the plate with me I just wouldn't I, I didn't go back for more either that's that very an even number that's the equivalent of me buttering something and leaving the knife out there's just that's no. self-constraint <laughs> yeah that's serious self-constraint yeah <laughs> respect that <laughs> when I think limit the amount that I have in one go then they'll just last longer mm, no no I, I'm all I just go for it I'm all I'm all in I'm all in or not in one or the other I, the I do is I've got bourbons to eat now though well after this call oh nice yeah no I'll put the packet away and then just sneakily revisit the packet sort of every <laughs> round the clock every 20 minutes or so uh yeah <laughs> We're going to switch gears a bit from biscuits to if you were a fruit or vegetable, what would you be? Oh, gosh, that's random, isn't it? Oh, I was a fruit and vegetable. So many options. Um, maybe a sweet potato. It's very <laughs> versatile. Mm, they're delicious as well. They are. I like them roasted. I like them in chip form. I like them as nice <laughs> yeah. and mash. Can't go yeah, wrong, can you? So do Pretty I. much goes with everything. It is <laughs> a great option, isn't it? Yeah. It's re- and it's good cold, good warm. Yeah. Yeah. You can even put it with like uh, maple syrup and have it as breakfast ice, <gasps> I'm told. I know. Never tried that I've before. Tra- I would totally try that. I always have sweet potato left over from the boys. Always, always. Yeah. And in America, they'll eat it with marshmallows on the top and then call it um, something they can have at Thanksgiving. One of your five a day. I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Versatile. Have you ever had it? (laughs) Yeah, I have actually. Is it good? Um, I don't want to offend my American friends, but it probably wouldn't be my favourite way of eating a potato. Um, But it's sort of like baby food with marshmallow on the top. That's the, that was my description of it. <laughs> it looks like it would be very, very, very sweet. I mean, I'd probably go at it again, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't uh, talk too badly of it. <laughs> Have you got a favourite country that you visited? Yeah, Africa. Pretty much South Africa is... Uh, it's the danger spot for me. It's home from home. It's... I haven't been back for a long time and I'm always fearful that if I go, I won't return. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's the Wild West um, for what, me. Where where, and why? And um, Got a lot of friends, a lot of fun times, a lot of memories, but mostly it's the feeling of being there and that anything can happen situation. Although I have taken a lot of um, probably ridiculous risks that other people probably wouldn't I mean I once found myself there after being in Bali and a particularly highly caffeinated morning myself and a friend uh, met some guys and got on pretty well with them um, just chatting about life and ambitions and um, he said he was flying back home that day and had a spare couple of seats in the car if he wanted a road trip so that was our same day flight from Bali to Cape Town um, and a, a lot of panic gins on the flight as well when I realised how far away it was <laughs> it's like the equivalent of getting on a flight to Australia tomorrow just because you met somebody in a bar tonight That's except insane yeah it was a fantastic adventure yeah though. but insane <laughs> yeah yeah my youth was a little wild <laughs> a couple of more questions so 
If you could invite one person to dinner, it can be anybody at all, any historical time frame, they can be fiction, uh, fictional as well. Who would you invite? Oh, fictional as well? Can, yeah, it'd be anybody. Is this like um, a dinner with other people that are on your own? or Just you. Just you. I mean, if you wanted other people there, we're not going mean, to say yeah, they can't I come. Could, I could imagine probably um, Indiana Jones or Crocodile Dundee would probably be quite high up on my list. <laughs> Good shout. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I think maybe if it had to be a real person, though, maybe Steve Irwin. I would probably yeah. have a great couple of drinks chatting to him about his adventures for sure. Yeah, probably. I'll go with Steve. I met Renald Fiennes once. He was fantastic, though, and also has some incredible stories. I am I, I am never particularly bothered about somebody's bank balance, but the stories that you can acquire in your life, mm. I value so highly in terms of uh, accomplishments. <laughs> so our next most random of questions is fingers for toes or toes for fingers? Uh, fingers for toes like a monkey. Why not? <laughs> Extra, extra use for climbing purposes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I'm afraid of the- people saying extra use for work, but not actual physical climbing. Just oh climbing. no, yeah, <laughs> no, just for do, play. Want to do stuff? Yeah, what? Yeah, just for play. <laughs> and our final question that we like to ask people is one thing that you wish everybody knew about the environment. How fun it is, probably how how fun you can how much fun you can have actually going away going somewhere and exploring somewhere even on our own back doorstep I had some amazing adventures in the UK for example in the last few years in places that are quite close to home that I didn't even realize exist and it, it yeah in those moments of absolute um, pure enthusiasm and adrenaline or pure enjoyment, laughter and happiness, that's that's my purpose, you know, that's what I do it all for. That's why I said I'm selfish. I just want to be able to preserve that, be able to keep doing that for my whole life. I, I don't like the idea of me not being able to have fun and play out. <laughs> Well, maybe that you need to keep being selfish. I like the idea of preserving it too. But still, I, I can't wrap my head around the idea of a big selfish bug. And <laughs> we, we, we leave it. I, I do think the same as well. Maybe I am selfish too. There's a quote. There's a quote that I said to my mate once, and it's sort of stuck, and we always laugh about it, the two of us. But like uh, a quote that he always quotes back to me it is something that I like off the cuff said to him but it does fit and it's essentially I just really want to inspire more people to care about the planet more than I do so I don't have to like if everybody else really gets the um inspired to go out and protect the place we all work together then it means a lot less of a burden for any one person that's what that means that's really true I'm going to quote you on that I'm going to say that you said that and I'm going to start carrying that with me every time I go into Please do. I went to school. I think that's lovely. You need to stick that in your book somewhere, somehow. Get that message yeah. across. That's fabulous. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure speaking to you guys. I'm sure we'll be able to work together anyway at some point. I'm, I can imagine yeah, I dragging do you in. I'm going yeah. to get those. Um, I'm going to get your new book as well uh, when it comes out. Always yeah, a good environmental book. Lovely. Good yeah. luck with everything. And um, yeah, thank you so much for talking to us today 
Just before we go, though, we do have one thing to ask you. We like to ask everybody to do a weather wisdom. So we'd like that could, has been anything from Red Sky at Night, Shepherd's Delight, all the way to a million other things that we do. In fact, I'll tell you, here's some wisdom about weather. If you go into Grizzly Bear Guide, this, in fact, it's not even wisdom. Here's a story, a ridiculous situation that happened to me. I um, Obviously, I, I went from sharks and Africa. I, I ended up working as a Grizzly Bear Guide in um, BC. It is a, a temperate rainforest, which essentially means it rains a lot. And I spent the whole of summer being rained on and bucketing out boats as I was in full chest waders walking up and down this river. Gorgeous, gorgeous, lovely green place. But I spent the whole time fantasizing about going somewhere else where it would be nice and dry and I could get a tan and it wouldn't rain. And I went straight from BC, as I said, was foolishly sold the idea of going to Bali in October, uh, which is then going into rainy season season. yeah so I went to escape a rainy rainy situation with another rainy rainy situation and it was while sat there uh, trapped in a cafe after being absolutely pee wet through and then ended up thinking right I absolutely can't do any more rain and that's one of the driving factors as well that led us into that road trip in uh, in Cape Town yeah I love that story <laughs> I love that story that's where you do a little bit of research goes a long way on the on the seasons where you go a hundred percent oh do you know we, I came back to South America in the winter and I knew it would be cold but oh my god I just didn't know really oh mm. my god how co- you know when you're yeah trying to yeah, travel yeah. And- that's uh yeah that's a tough girl when you pick the wrong season <laughs> I mean I I'd never fully appreciated um cold weather until I did the Iceland trip and and that was when I learned that um <laughs> wind can carry snow in such a way across the road that it literally is the scariest thing you've ever seen in your life it looks like you're going to get blown off the road but it's totally safe it's just little dry flakes of snow blowing in the wind but it is terrifying yeah a complete whiteout it's yeah. absolutely ter- yeah completely crazy although Reykjavik is an amazing airport they've got like landing strips mm. in pretty much every single direction so no matter what the wind is doing and it does a lot of crazy stuff over there planes yeah, can't the- land they've you'll got get, it you'll get down but you'll be terrified by by the time you hit the ground anyway Sarah thank you so much for joining us today thank you so much for giving us your time if you've listened to this episode and you have enjoyed it as much as we have loved recording it, we would really love it if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast. It really does help us. And share the podcast with anybody that you think that might want to have a little listen. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok. There we are for the love of weather. On Twitter, we are the number four love of weather. Um, and Sarah, where can people find some of your work if they want to follow along? Uh, yeah, so Instagram and YouTube, it's Sarah's Real Job because my mum was always asking when I was going to get one. And uh, Twitter, it's Sarah V. Roberts. And um, yeah, if you want to find my website, um, Sarah Roberts Official or thisiscreature.com if you're looking into our climate action for schools. Sarah again thank you so much for joining us this evening for giving us your time we really appreciate it and to everybody listening we hope you leave this episode just loving the weather that little bit more thanks for listening thanks for having me